Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel is out today for Yom Kippur. We wish him well. We wish his fast well, but uh, I like you guys too much to take the day off. Can't stop. Won't stop. A few headlines on our radar today. Number one. Take a broken record. Uh, buy the dip, right? Guys, it worked again. Um, Joel and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in a week or so to see if the old uh, saying, sell Rosh Hashanah, buy Yom Kippur actually worked. But it seems like at the moment that it may have worked. We'll talk about buy the dip. We'll talk about EA. We'll talk about Tesla. We'll talk about Beyond Meat. All of those stocks moving this morning. All of those stocks have headlines this morning. Mark Chaikin is our first guest. He was on the show at 8.15. We'll be joined by Peter Tuckman at 9. So we got a lot going on. Everyone, do me a solid. First and foremost, hit that like button. Let's get up to 1,000 likes today. That's the goal. 1,000 likes. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a big goal. Let's see if we can do it. Let's bring out some charts here. I did just mention by the dip. I, I know we're a smidge in the red. We are a smidge down this morning in the overnight session. But let's be honest. It, the, yesterday is, is is the real story here, uh, at least for me. Uh, by the dip, pretty much across the board, all the all the major indexes, all the all the sectors were in the green yesterday, except for utilities. So, uh, pretty good day across the board. Um, here's the S and P's. You can see. Whoa, was that a? Oh, that's the eight o'clock print. That's not a real print. Um, but yeah, that that green candle is weird there. But uh, ignore that. Bottom line, though, buying the dip is the theme of the day. And uh, Dennis, you were uh, feeling a little bit peckish today, wanting to buy some stocks. Mm, I'm looking at yesterday's low. Okay. So I'm looking at nice kickback rally. We bucked the trend. Kramer mentioning last night, you know, um, just that we've been having this theme of. Opening strong and closing weak, opening strong, closing weak, opening strong, closing weak, and then rallying overnight. Exact opposite thing happened here overnight where we closed strong and now we're opening weak. So if we're just going with the whole, you know, whatever the overnight traders do is the wrong way, which is what has been working for four straight days, you'd actually be buying the dip here this morning. So I am actually looking at buying the dip here. Mm -hmm. Um, I would lean on yesterday's low. So if I'm looking at the SPY, that's a long ways away, way down at 443.44. But also interested in the casinos here, not as long-term investments, although I have a little bit of LVS in my long-term portfolio. But more so just um, we're getting now another sell-off. They wanted to rally yesterday. But you get Johnny come lately analyst JP Morgan <laughs> coming through, downgrading them all. Thank you so much for that, JP Morgan. So helpful. Um, but LVS, when uh also which other ones? MLCO. Melco, yep. Those were Melco. So they actually finally had some relief pop in the afternoon yesterday. Now you get another whoosh where they get the downgrade here. I'm going to say, if you wanted to try, I'm going to, this is just setting up trades. It's not a recommendation. We don't get recommendations, just trade ideas. I'd say if you're buying the dip today, stop yourself out at yesterday's lows. So, for instance, LVS, buy 37.10. 
I stopped myself out at the 36.15, so you're risking risking yourself a buck. Yes, I do have LBS in the long-term portfolio. Not on for a trade yet, but looking at just possible day trades here um, where, you know, okay, well, we get another flash. You have people, okay, I can't take it anymore. The downgrade again, I'm just getting out. I feel like today is going to be, you know, and I might be wrong, and that's why if they take out the lows, I'm wrong. But I feel like yesterday they put the low in. So that's just it, what the bet is. So, again, you can put any trade on as long as you know where you're out is. When? Now down two and a half dollars, thanks to JP Morgan here. Market not helping too. But you have yesterday's load lean on eighty two fifty five. So you're risking yourself about a buck twenty here right now. But even a buck fifteen if you're if you're able to pick it up, you know, around the eighty three sixty five where it is. Risking yourself a buck. And you know, I'm not saying do it in the pre market. You know, maybe you wait till the regular session, maybe you wait till the opening flush. But I wouldn't be surprised if these things maybe shrug off these downgrades because it's not like all of a sudden out of the blue. J.P. Morgan comes on with a bold call and downgrades win resorts. Well, this is the opposite of a bold call. This is a late call. And sometimes on the late call allows you to get in, you know, and not that again, I'm not saying, I don't know if the low of the low of the low is in. I'm just saying they wanted to rally yesterday afternoon. Now they get slapped in the face. Sometimes they pick themselves back up again. So stopping myself out on all these trades, if I put them on, I don't have them on yet if I put them on at yesterday's lows. Well, it would be karmic justice in a way if like the JP Morgan downgrade this morning marks the bottom. It, it almost right. always happens that way. <laughs> it's not even comic justice. It almost always happens that you get a bull yeah. call, you know, not even bull, you get a late call from some yeah. analyst and then all of a sudden, you know, the game changes and obviously, um, you know, the thing turns around in the analyst's face. So I, 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 it is a possibility. We don't know anything. As traders, we just look at probabilities, possibilities. You know, we make, you know, educated bets. Nothing's 100%, nothing's 0%. It's somewhere in the middle. Is there a chance that yesterday when put in a short-term low? It's possible. I'm not saying it's probable. It's possible. So, again, I'm like, I'm, I can risk myself a buck to see that. If it takes it out, I lose a buck on the yeah. win. Again, you have to remember as traders, and there's so many people out there that will absolutely not take a loser. So some of you are going to put this trade on 8370, and then it's going to go down to 82 and 81. They're like, well, I'm not taking the loser now. And now you're stuck, and now you're bag holding. That's how a trade becomes you know, a long-term investment the bad way, and you get stuck bag holding it. So, I mean, you've got to have your out kind of coming in. Again, long-term investing is a different animal, but these would just be trades going into my short-term trading account. And saying maybe there's the outside chance, you know, and, and that it might, you know, put in a low yesterday. Do I stop myself out right at the 82.55? I usually give a little wiggle room because it went to 82.45 and then rallied up. I'd be like, okay, I got stopped out for 10 cents. So sometimes you got to give yourself a little bit more than the low, but not a lot, like not 50 cents through it, you know, maybe like 30 cents through it, just to make sure okay. it doesn't put in a little sneaky little double bottom. And sometimes they do undercut, you know, and rally. But let's look at when. You know, if we go back, you know, to, to August the 19th, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it could. You had an undercut and rally trick right. where it went down August 19th, low 87.52. The very next day, did not take out that low, held 87.81, and then rebounded. And there's a lot of overhead supply. I don't think this thing's rebounding to 100. I don't think it's rebounding to 95. Could it rebound to 90? There's the possibility that, you know, there's an outside chance there. Again, this is a very, you're still trying to catch the falling knife. But now you have a level to lean on. So it's different than yesterday where it's starting to make new lows. Now I have a defined risk. And this is something, you know, we're going to talk about. We're going to do another educational event. Joel's going to uh, talk about it when he comes back in October. We're going to talk about all different setups, you know, and how I control the risk. Risk first, then return. 
So you are interested potentially in buying the dip in the casinos, leaning on yesterday's low as you're out. Are there you other are there other stocks you maybe you're looking at buying the dip on here? Yeah, I think yesterday? so. Um, again, leaning you got to lean on the lows from yesterday. So yeah. we, it's a nice snapback rally. So when I see flush, 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 I see a boom. Now I'm like, okay, well now I have a tradable bottom because I have that low end. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to catch the falling knife. I'm saying potentially that it already fell, and now I can pick it up off the floor. If obviously continues to fall, then I got to get out again, though. So, yeah, I'm 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 looking at a number of different stocks. I had a whole bunch on my list. I was looking at Zynga, even. You know, we know. I you know I sold Zynga back before the quarter. I I, I can't even remember why. I think I sold it because of all the gaming stocks were just getting punished. Like Take yeah. Two got hit. Oh. I was like, I'm not holding another gamer through a quarter. And it went from ten bucks, we know, down to eight on the disappointing results. And I had sold it at ten a few days earlier. So basically scratching out a long term. Michael Pactor pick. He picked it on our show. It's been a dog. I love Michael Pactor. He usually doesn't do do me wrong in the long one run. Sometimes he, I'm sure that you know they get you know, we know he's on Netflix. I mean, he's been he's been he's, not, everybody's right and wrong. He's no yeah, he's right and wrong. He's right and oh, wrong. Yeah, everybody's right and oh, yeah. wrong. But I'm looking at, at Zynga. This is just such such a huge level at eight bucks. You know, you're going back 777 back in October, November of 2020. I'm looking at the recent low, 779. Now I'm looking at 793, recent low here just from a couple of days ago or yesterday. I'm thinking, you know, can I, you know, do I have some defined risk here? Sure, I do. 779. So maybe stop myself out 765, 770, risk myself 30, 40 cents to say, hey, maybe, you know, I do a little bit of buy the dip in here too. So buy the dip was working yesterday. I feel like, I don't feel like we're going to flush here today and be down like 500 Dow points. I don't feel that, but, you know, I might be wrong. Yeah. I, I want to – Freddie uh, Mucklow took the words right out of my mouth here. I'll bring up his comment. And this is just with regards to Zynga buying the dip here. Why did it pop last week, right? It popped last week on the Apple Epic Games ruling, right? The, uh, the, the court ruled that uh, the, any, any mobile app – uh, company can go around the app, the Apple Store, the Apple App Store, and will not does not necessarily have to fork over a thirty percent cut to Apple. That that that's why they didn't got the pop. Every basically every app based company got a pop on that. But then the very next day, gave back those gains. Yeah. So so ask yourself why that happened. Ask yourself, uh, like 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 the market's telling you what it thinks, right? It's saying uh, it's still out of favor. Good news. Okay, fine. We got a favorable ruling that is being appealed now, but you know we don't really care. <laughs> we added more bag holders too, so it yeah. is a concern. Yeah. So again, this these are all you know risky trades because they're not buying strength; they're buying weakness. It's always riskier to buy weakness. Yeah. We're in this market right now, though. There's not a lot of things to buy strength, and unless you're an Iron Net, which is you know <laughs> the stock that has just been a monster. Um, there's been a lot of stocks, you know, on pullbacks. But are we buying overall weakness here? Or are we just buying a pullback? You know, that's the question too. I mean, when I made the bet with Joel on Microsoft, which you know, obviously, you know, helping me out with the buyback, I'm just looking at a stock that's in a clear uptrend and it's pulled back a little bit off the highs, and I'm like, well, the trend probably persists. Yeah. So it's always easier to buy stocks that are in uptrends than it is in downtrends. So when I'm coming into these trades, these are completely contrarian bets. And I have a lot of contrarian. I mean, sometimes you can time it right and sometimes you don't. It is always easier to buy stocks that are going like in uptrends than downtrends. So just keep that in mind here too. High likelihood that I might get stopped out on all this stuff. But at least I have defined risk. And it's funny how the turntables, if you're sitting here watching and you're thinking, wait, wasn't these guys were like pretty bearish? 
the other day, the other week. Yeah, that's how it goes, right? Is like always changing, right? Always changing. What well, it's a trader, you have to. Right, right. So, so yesterday's move told me that okay, we've got now you know people because three days in a row it's been the same thing: open higher tank, open higher tank, open higher tank. Well, we had an, a, a different story yesterday. We we opened and we t- we came down near yesterday's low and then we rallied all day. Mm-hmm. So I mean you've got to identify those changes. So now I get you know the opening tank. I mean with with the contrarians have just been winning in this market as day traders. Again, these are day traders. You got to put your day trading, your long term investing hat, your swing trading hat. There's three different hats, but I'm basically wearing most of my day trading hat today. Saying we're getting a pullback here in the S and P after a nice big rally yesterday. I feel like it's like profit taking from yesterday. I feel like we actually could, you know, move higher. And then tomorrow we have such a huge day. Mm-hmm. We have option expiration. As you were saying, we have an S&P rebalance. Um, we got a lot going on tomorrow too. So I, don't, I, I think leaning on yesterday's lows as a trader is the prudent move here. So, you know, that, that's the setup. Now, the setup sometimes works. It does, sometimes doesn't. Sometimes the market will pitch, you up, pitch up the middle and you'll foul it off. Sometimes you'll strike out on it still, even if it's up the middle. But... I like swinging at the pitches that are up the middle as opposed to swinging the ones in the dirt. And I feel like the pullback today is a little bit, you know, it's, it's it looks like it's coming up the middle. Maybe it's going to slide out of the strike zone, but at least I got yesterday's lows to lean on. I'm, I'm loving all the baseball metaphors here. Uh, and and Boris, but Boris says uh, S&P rebalance is cool. Yes, it is, Boris. We'll, we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. Uh, because it's going to happen mostly at the close as at the close tomorrow. Speaking of tomorrow's show, I want to uh, plug that real quick. Uh, tomorrow's guest is going to be Jay Snowden. Who's he? He's the CEO of Penn National Gaming, E-E-N-N. That'll be on tomorrow's show. So tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell your cousin, your cousin's neighbor's friend, whatever. Um, that'll be – if you have any questions you think we should ask, tweet at us. Shoot me an email, shows at penzinga.com, and uh, just put Penn in, in the subject line so I know so I don't like auto-delete your email. Um, <laughs> I should rebuy my pen for that interview. You should rebuy well, it. Yeah, I remember I no, sold don't, it up there at eighty three, eighty four because I thought it was. And now it's come back down eight nine bucks. I should rebuy my pen. I've been wanting to rebuy my pen. Maybe he'll talk me into. Maybe it. buy it out. Maybe, maybe wait. Maybe he'll talk. Maybe me wait till the interview. It's not like I'm going to be, you know. So yeah. So anyways, uh, we'll see how it goes tomorrow with the interview. Maybe he'll yeah. talk me into rebuying my pen. Uh, all right, it is eight fifteen on a Thursday. It is time for our guest. Let's bring on Mark Chaikin, aka Mark C. I think that's his rapper name. Mark, how are we doing today? <laughs> I wish uh, we're doing well. How are you? Happy New Year, Spencer. Thank you. Same to you. Uh, we'll you too, Dennis. But yeah, we'll make. Do you read any of those books, Mark? Behind you, have you read all those books? I've read ask? every one of them. I know. Oh, really. What what's your what? Okay, give us three titles of books, and you know, uh, give give us three three books that we should go out and read if we haven't read any trading books. Larry McMillan on options, um, relative strength concept of investing. That's out of print. And, <laughs> out of print. Yeah, I'll get it from Mark. You'll have to go buy. Nineteen sixties. Yeah, email. I mean anything that helps you combine fundamentals with technicals. Cool. Okay. Can't do it. So, Penn National Gaming bearish power gauge rating since March at a hundred bucks. It still remains bearish. Yeah, it remains bearish. So I yeah. shouldn't get talked into it tomorrow. Well, I should just stay. you know, you may learn something. It's been underperforming the market. Obviously, uh, rallied up to our long-term trend line at about yep. 
84. Uh, money flow is strong. So there's some, a check in money flow shows that there's some accumulation going on. So when does your, you know, and you don't have to give the secret sauce, but, you know, you see accumulation coming in here. When would, or do you even know it's all in the algorithm, like when it would actually flip to, you know, because well, you've been bearish. When would it flip to bullish? So you see accumulation. That's got to be one, you know, I, reason to try to start flipping bullish. What, I, I what other the, factors are involved? Yeah, there's 20 factors. So I look at the four components. The earnings component is actually bullish, but it's the expert opinions and the technicals that are dragging it down. So big short interest. The industry sucks. Pardon my French. Yeah, it really does right now. Uh, but, you know, they're in a different part of the industry. It's not overseas exposure. I that's that's the key. That's the, the kicker, right? No overseas, a.k.a. China, exposure. That should make them the best of breed right now. And the insiders are buying, but the 20 factors all sort of weigh against it. So uh, I think pretty tough for this to turn bullish. Uh, and the financials, you know, a lot of debt. And on a relative basis, I think there are better places for your money. There's easier places for your money. Give us a couple of those places, Mark. If you're looking here, and I'm kind of looking at buying the S&P dip a little bit here just because I'm sitting with so much cash, where are you looking? What stocks? Well, let's talk about uh, buying the dip here as opposed to not buying the dip before we get into that. Okay. This is the ninth time this year that we're testing the 50-day average on the SPY. Nine times. Nine times. Eight times it's worked. So uh, the 50-day average is a 44.30. We didn't quite get there yesterday, but I think if, if it's going to break, this is the time it's going to break. Look, guys, this is what Mark is talking about. Look at this chart. The, the dark blue line is what Mark's talking about. The ninth time this year, he says? Yep. Look at this. Let me zoom in. I'll make a little bit. You know, the, the interesting thing about the SPY is the, the Reddit traders are now buying QQQ and SPY on dips in addition to these crazy stocks like IronNet. I don't know if you've talked about IronNet. We, we just mentioned it about a couple of minutes before. I haven't talked it yet today. But. It doubled over in, in, in a day. <laughs> because no, I know. It's crazy. On a, on a disappointing earnings report, except they have more customers than people expected. But the Reddit bottom line stocks is, do their own thing. Yeah, but here's the thing. Um uh, you're in a period between now and October 13th when earnings season begins where the headlines are going to be dominated by tax debate. And, and yesterday, I don't know if you talked about the proposed tax changes for ETFs. That could derail this whole ETF move. I, I what what to, are those? Yeah, well, Ron, Ron Wyden has proposed that the um, capital gains sort of swap exemption goes away. I don't think it'll pass because it affects everybody from small traders to large investors. But that would basically submarine the whole ETF uh, growth concept. And that impacts the overall market because that's SPY and QQQ. So basically, if, if you liquidate an ETF, you don't have a, a capital gains yeah, to, implication. It's to, a big to deal. Your point, to your point, and like the, the ETF thing is like, that's what makes, that's what makes it great for everyone. That's what makes it a tax efficient vehicle. And there are like other, there are like weird, like tax intricacies of ETFs. Like if you want to Google like a heartbeat trade, uh, exactly. To learn like like that 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 is a, a a loophole, but it is a legal loophole that helps everybody. Well, Ron Ron Wyden, who's the head of the finance committee, wants to close that loophole and others. So why is this important? Because we're in a three and a half to four week period when earnings aren't going to dominate. 
but tax policy is, and I don't think the market has factored in tax increases. Uh, one of the big investment banks did a study and they said two thirds of analysts haven't factored a tax increase into their earnings estimates. And earnings estimates revisions have driven this bull market along with stock buybacks. So if we're gonna be debating these oddball proposals like an excise tax on buybacks and closing the ETF loophole, I think the market is vulnerable here, and you know maybe the buy the dip guys don't get paid off this time. Uh, as Charlie Munger said, and I quoted this in my market letter, if investing were easy, we'd all be rich. Mark, if you could read between the tea leaves here, do, do you think that maybe the uh, changes in tax policy is one of the things behind Microsoft's big buyback that, uh, yesterday? Could be. Could be. Could be. I, I don't think they're going to put an excise tax on buybacks, but hey, they're bandying about everything to try and get to some compromise consensus. But the reason I'm concerned at this 50-day test is because it's been too easy for everybody. No yeah. offense intended, Dennis. I, you yeah. know, it worked. So if it's working, do it. But uh, so you got to stop yourself out. I think the main thing is, is if you are going to buy off the 50 day, if you are going to buy off yesterday's lows, I mean, just have your defined risk. I mean, if it takes it out, okay, you risk yourself two, 3% through it and say, okay, I was wrong and take your 3% of the loss and move on. So many people won't do that though. They'll buy off the 50 day and they'll cut through and they're like, well, I can't sell the loss. And then you just hold on and then they're in trouble. So, I mean, it's worked eight times. It might work nine times. It might work 10 times. I once, you know, went in a trade on ExxonMobil. It was down 21 out of 22 consecutive days. I mean, you know, so you can, you know, these trends can be persistent. But at the same time, when they break, you know, it can get ugly too. So a lot of people leaning on that 50-day, it could be a very crowded trade to your point. So if it does take it out, I wouldn't sit around, you know, for letting the dust settle on it. I agree with you there. Um, so what would I be buying? Well, some of my favorites have come down like Fortinet. Cybersecurity is still top of mind for me. Uh, so Fortinet's come down. Um, you know, you, you have to be a big bull to buy it here because obviously it's richly priced. But there are a lot of stocks that look like Fortinet. So I also think that the medical testing companies like Charles River Labs and Quest um, are going to get a second win because of Biden's um, vaccine mandate. And people are getting a lot more comfortable with at-home testing. And so I think there's going to be a lot of testing for not just COVID, but other things. And I would, I would revisit some of these, you know, testing companies. They're, they're still looking strong, like uh, Charles River Labs and, uh, and Quest. But uh, my favorite right now, and it's bucking a big industry trend, is Skyline Homes, SKY. Um, the reason I like it is that we know there's a big um, lack of supply in the home building space. It's got to be filled, but we've also got cost concerns and supply chain issues. So Skyline manufactures homes in a factory and ships them to the site. And it's maintained an uptrend where all the home builders, the conventional home builders like D.R. Horton, like Lennar have really been in, and Pulte Homes have been in very steep downtrends. So I normally don't like to buck an industry trend, but we know there's long-term demand for housing. They cited a $5 million shortfall in terms of housing based on population growth uh, over the last 10 years. So 
I, I like Skyline. It's maintained that uptrend, bullish power gauge, strong money flow. Mark, you're the second person this week on our show to, to pitch the home builders in some in some variety. Well, it's because of this long-term demand, but you, there's no denying that the short-term downtrends are pretty steep. If you put up Lennar, which is the yeah. perfect child for the whole group, or Pulte, which is a yeah. little more leveraged, you see that uh, you're really buying into a hole if you buy them here. So huh. uh, can we get a chart up of that? Or yeah. We're missing Joel, so Lenar, yeah, that's all. Oh, right. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm focused on two things. You want Lenar, Palti? Yeah, yeah. So, right. so there's your downtrend. It's right. breaking, breaking support. You've got lower highs and lower lows now. Which, by the way, if we break 44.30 on the S and P, the key number is 43.60. That was the August low. And if you break that August low, then you've set up the potential for lower highs and lower lows. The the thing that's kept me bullish all year is higher highs and higher lows in the S&P. And you, you really don't want to see that pattern break. Could it be a fake out? Sure. But it, it sets up all sorts of negative divergences going forward. So still bullish into year end, but cautious in the short term until maybe the first week in October. A uh, couple questions here from from chat, uh, Mark. I don't I don't know if, uh, how focused you are. Similar to, to the home builder theme, I don't know how focused you are on real estate right now. There's a question about AEI homes ticker AEI. I don't know if you, you let me take a look. That is a name I do not know. But oh whoa! I didn't this, realize, I didn't realize how. Uh, yeah, this was I think uh, social media meet Reddit oh, stock. Maybe okay. if you look back to February, you know you just look at the yeah. chart. February five bucks to thirty bucks. So, and it's been, you know, in the gutter ever since I've been saying this, it seems like these Reddit stocks, it seems like the majority of them, you know, when the dust settles end up going down, but they get the pop, they get the initial love, you know, the hype yeah. and they really rally. Right. You got to get out I, while the game's yeah. good though. I did, not yes. realize, I did not realize that. Mark, uh, there's also a question about uh, China. I don't know if you've been watching what's going on over there with with, with 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 Evergrande and the largest real estate developer in the country defaulting on their debt. Maybe soon, any day now. Um, do you have any thoughts on on the 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 macro implications of that? I mean, there's obviously ten thousand things happening in China right now, but this is just one of them. But do you do you, are, are you factoring that in at all? Well, it's only three hundred billion in debt. So oh, okay. why, why are we getting upset about that? I, China's a, a landmine uh, minefield right now. Yeah, uh, could it pull down the global economy? Maybe. Uh, I think the biggest issue in China is can they maintain the zero COVID policy? And you know, we had a major port shut down because they shut down a city where the ships depart from, and you know, it could affect global trade. But uh, I'm other than JD.com, I haven't been a big fan of any of the Chinese stocks. And actually, JD, I think, is still in an uptrend, but. Um, I think it's a macro factor that the market will figure out. And so I'd rather just look at the S and P and see where that's going. Ah, uh, yes. I, 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 I admire your, your, your decision to not get in the weeds in this thing. Cause it's impossible to, to, even if you, uh, are in the storm, it's impossible to, 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 to understand, uh, you know, the implications of it. And, and yeah, so. I, I, I admire your simplicity. I look at the S&P, see where it goes. 
that's your leader. That's it. It's above China's above my pay grade. Yeah, I. Uh, well, it's so tough. I mean, you just don't know. Like, you can have the best technical setup in China in the world, and then all of a sudden, some political issue comes in your sector, like the casinos, all, and then they, you know, pull the rug out from under you. And not saying it was a bad example because casinos were technically breaking down before that, but I mean, this is you know pulling the rug out from you know, underneath their public companies on a continuous basis makes me not that hungry to invest there. Oh, I wouldn't go near it. Uh, People are going to see opportunities, but good luck. uh, Who was it in the chat that just asked this question? Oh, whatever make uh, whatever make you happy in the chat is asking if if, is the money flow indicator named after Mark? Mark, yeah, you you named it after yourself. Yeah, because my kids, I was my kids were like in their teens, and I was staying up till four in the morning on an Apple II computer, you know, working this out on software out of New Orleans, and. I figured if I put my name on it, someday they might understand why I was so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's actually the way it got the name. But Larry Williams was my inspiration. So you had Williams accumulation distribution. And I built the check and money flow based on uh, his conceptuals. So credit where credit's due. And Larry's still going at it. It's amazing. And so are you, and we appreciate it. Mark Chaikin joins us every other Thursday to give us his thoughts, macro and micro, on the market, stocks he likes, stocks he doesn't. We always appreciate his analysis. Mark, thanks a lot. Have a good rest of your day. We will see you in a couple weeks. Be well, Dennis. Good to be with you. Thanks, Mark. Let's talk about Tesla for just a second here because Kathy Wood – okay, ARK Invest – uh, is a more fair thing to say. Ark Invest sold more Tesla yesterday. Sells every day. Sold another $62 million worth of shares. They have sold yeah. a little over uh, about $266 million worth of Tesla this month. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, sure, uh, they're allowed to do that. They're an actively managed ETF. They have rules about how big a stock can be in one of their funds. And that's all That's all fun and dandy. But it is a little bit hard it's a hard circle to square when, on the one hand, you are giving these these create these price targets, right, five thousand, ten thousand, yeah. whatever for Tesla, yeah. uh, and and on the other hand, you're you're running an actively managed fund that has rules that can require you to sell at certain times, right? Um, and not to say it's. I don't think there's any rules she has to sell Tesla at any time. I mean, there was somebody calling her out on Twitter, calling this a flat out pump and dump. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm, I don't think she, I don't think it's about that because she has so much Tesla, you know, it's not worth it to her. But does it appear? Could the media grab that headline and run with it when she's out there saying, yeah, Tesla's going to 3,000, rah, 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 and then you're selling it every day? I mean, it doesn't look good. That, yeah. That's the one thing that, that doesn't look good. So, I mean, I get it. She's rebalancing Tesla such a huge portion of her portfolio that she's probably just lightening up on a continuous basis because Tesla's grown into this monster in her portfolio. I mean, what is Tesla and ARC? Do we know what percentage oh, it is? I'd it's just to, enormous, though. I'd have to look it up. It's um, enormous. So maybe we can ask Siri. Here. Or, <laughs> Did you ask Siri? Is that you said? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, here. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Um, bah, 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 bah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's over 10%. Yeah, right. so it's over ten percent. I mean, she wants more. And what's the second largest holding? Let's just give her perspective. In in, in the flagship, the ARKK, it's yeah. tel- it's Teladoc. And well, how big is that? Five percent. Yeah, so you're looking at the first holdings over double. So she's just trying to get her weighting better. So I get it. 
I don't think there's anything nefarious happening here. But does it look bad that you're saying three thousand and you're selling the stock every day? Yeah, it it kind of yeah. does. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No one here is saying like it, it, it's no, illegal. no. There is people saying it. That's the difference. I've seen right. reading online, and you know what? They have a point. It does appear that way. It so, just looks weird. It looks weird. Holy mackerel! What you got? You throw me on the bus. Not sorry. It's an eight thirty number. Sorry, I'm Cancel sorry. All orders. Uh, I'm sorry. Belt, 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 belt. I'm sorry. Yeah, we Cancel all orders as we're yeah. trying to make a point on. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Order. Yeah, we, we we just had uh we we just had retail sales for August. I didn't think it was going to move that much. Retail Holy sales. Macro. Retail sales. I told him, buy the dip. I went. The dip just went away. Retail sales for the oh. month of August up 0.7% compared to a point a negative 0.8% expectation. Uh, that combined with lower jobless claims than expected uh, for last week is the, what is behind that move in the last uh, two minutes, three minutes here. But yeah, we just had weak retail sales in China and now for August and now strong retail sales in the U.S., for August. Dip gone. Dip gone. Oh. Sorry great. about that. Next time we'll try to buy the dip sooner, I guess. So Yeah, I, I didn't think retail sales was gonna was gonna be look, there's your move right there in the in the spy, right? That's, I mean that was a big move. Yeah, yeah. I was watching and I'm trying to explain a point and I'm watching S and P go up one, two, three, four. We ride ten handles on that. We were down at four forty six fifty on the spy. Now we're up at four forty seven fifty. So it's a nice lift. It was a nice lift um, off of that number there. Yeah, so, again, wow. again, you got to just have setups. I mean, it felt more like a buy the dip, you know, and yeah, we're getting bailed out maybe by a jobless claims number here, which, you know, I didn't realize jobless claims or retail sales and jobless claims. So, we well, jobless claims is every Thursday, but I mean, how yeah. often? Like, we haven't moved that, hasn't moved the market in six months, I feel yeah. like. Um, retail sales up significantly. So, anyway, well, so, nice, hey, nice rally. hey, on the topic of retail sales, everyone consider this your warning. Uh, you should seriously start thinking about Christmas presents now. Um, because don't, this is not the year to wait until... Is there going to be nothing in the stores? This is not the year to wait until... Like, the store is going to be empty? December 20th. This is not the year to do that. Pull pull it forward. Pull the holiday sales, uh, the holiday shopping forward. Um, because it, in everything that I'm seeing is it could take a while to get to get your present. So Christmas is actually 100, day, 100 days away from today. So you have a hundred day warning. I'm giving you. I a, always wait till the day before. I'm giving Again, you a hundred day to, heads up. I have the luxury of only having to buy for my wife because she buys for every other person in our family, including my side of the family. So, <laughs> so I only have one person to worry about, and I usually worry about that on December 23rd. But you know, maybe I got to go look early if the stores are going to be empty. <laughs> Mitch is angry in the chat. Consider this your hundred day warning. That's all I'm saying, and I'm not going to say it again. Okay, moving on. Uh, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earned from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Yeah, we, we're we're still going up here uh, off that off that uh, retail sales print. Uh, let's talk about some ratings, and we'll start with Beyond Meat because downgrade this yeah. morning. Yeah. JP Morgan downgrading. It's the Beyond. big rating of the day. Um, I shorted it on the rating. It came out last night. I don't know why I didn't want to trade below 110 last night on this, but I was like, I think it's going to go down more than 80 cents. I've covered most of it. Um, I kept a small piece on just because I'm looking at this chart and thinking there's not much in there till 100 bucks. So I have a small, short, small size position on now. It was a large short last night. It's a small short now because it's coming for a box, but I still am short a piece. And I'm just looking at the chart and saying, heck, it's taken out the double bond. There's not much in there. It's probably going to get major analysts or major media coverage because it's the big rating of the day, really. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I If you had this on for a swing short and I have it on for an overnight short just because of the rating, my target would be 100 bucks. So I don't know if I want to turn an overnight trade into a swing short or not, but $100 it looks like big support down there, 100 101 that's a long ways away. You know, it's probably not going to get there. I'm not saying it's getting there today, but it does have the potential to get there in the next week or two or, you know, sooner, potentially. So, I wouldn't want to be long it. So I've got every Biami rating in Benzinger Pro. You can see the top one, right, is this morning Piper Sandler downgrading, not just to neutral, but to underweight. Yeah, when you get the sell rating on it, yep. that gets some spooked. And price target lowered from 120 down to 95. Underweight yeah. is more interesting to me than the price target. But you can see here... Like a lot of red on the screen, right? Like if you scroll a lot of people down, don't like the stock, right? So if you scroll down, right, because this is sort of a chronological order, you scroll down to 2019, you can see way more green, right? We got some some app reforms to some buys, yada yada yada. So, Fast forward a couple of years, and the sentiment has turned. We got I go okay. So here, I want you to help me with the pro because the pro made changes a little while ago. Yeah, they, they have a lot of pro users. Yeah. When I type Beyond Meat in my pro, I only get to days. Okay. So, How do I get to see everything that you're seeing? See, so like the calendar. There's a next to where it says reset filters. Yeah. There's a little calendar thing. You have to. Okay. You have to click that and then click all. Right. Where it says all. Where it say oh it does say all. Right. Okay. And then you got all the ratings changes. And okay, then you got to sort better. it by, you can sort by date, you can sort by name, yeah. you can sort so by. So I can grab it and sort by date, and then it'll show me all the latest ones, which you're looking at right now. I see yep. in the last one. Who upgraded it? Bernstein. Back how Bernstein. they do? Back on May 24th. 
what's beyond meat done i think that was probably a bad one but let's go <laughs> may 24th uh maybe <laughs> yeah no sorry bernstein it was 100 and well actually they had a big candle in there it was probably their rating that was driving it up that day but uh, yeah so not such a great call so i don't know I, I i haven't liked the stock for a long time so that's just my opinion on it um i, I would i was just say this on me i mean every time i'm in the store i see their products on like for sale like it's on, on sale it's always on sale there's a million of these veggie burgers now yeah and you know what the beyond meat ones are pretty good but i like those costco ones too so and that's, i haven't, I haven't had those yet but but like like i don't i've never i've bought these like once or twice i don't and i've never i didn't pay full price they were like significantly marked down both times Maybe i just remember mark Yusko on our show and this was obviously you know not, he he was involved in this stock before i had the ipo and he was in the lockup expiration and he said as soon as the lockup expiration ended i was trying to sell this stock as say, fast as i possibly could he said that yep you know and he's one of the original investors he's like i'm getting out of this as fast as i could because it just got stupid got to 221 dollars the market cap you know like eclipsing i think it was eclipsing like tyson foods like you know and where is it now like where is the market cap on this thing again i do have a small position on it which is a trading position so um I don't know. seven bill seven billion yeah that's a process still worth a lot of money man what's tyson market cap uh just saying that the producer the producer 27, 27 bill 27. but at one point in time beyond meats market cap was approaching tyson foods and yeah. it's like okay you have a company that literally Tyson Foods, you know, make like, you know, obviously it's chicken, but, you know, they make so much other stuff too. I mean, let's look at Tyson Foods portfolio. And this is what sometimes you just got to do. Is this rational? Does this make sense? You know, just do, you know, if you're investing in Beyond Meat and saying, oh yeah, this is the next thing. Should it be worth the comparative methods? This is how they do real estate. You know, you're always comparing, you know, does it make sense that this Beyond Meat with this veggie burger you know, is going to have a market cap eclipsing that of Tyson Foods. You know, you know, you look at the brands of Tyson Foods and you think, you know, yes, chicken. But, you know, there is the brands. There's like 30 of them on there. You know, Ballpark Beef Franks, you know, Sarah Lee. You think about everything that Tyson Foods makes. And you're going to pay as much for this veggie burger make, maker as you are, you know, this company that makes, you know, all these Hershey Farms. You know, there, there's just so many different brands in there. And you got to say, I don't know if that does make sense. And that's why, you know, I wouldn't have invested in Beyond Meat at 200 probably not at 100 Does it make sense at a $2 billion market cap? Maybe, you know, but does it make sense at a $20 billion market cap, which when it got up to the $220, it was. And again, you know, until we look at Tyson Foods, then I believe it, I believe I saw the headline that it was getting close or eclipsing that of Tyson Foods. So always use that comparative method to a certain extent. It did not work with Ford, GM, and Tesla. I will say that, you know, before somebody point, you know, yells at me about that because I did that method saying, wow, you got a car maker that's got making 5% of, this, of the cars, you know. But obviously Tesla's his own animal, does his own thing. But a lot of times when I'm doing long-term investing, I look at, you know, comparatively, you know, how does this make sense? Where can this company grow to? Is it all hype? You know, did it make sense that Tilray was $300 a share? Did it make sense that all these pot stocks, you know, with greenhouses that, you know, greenhouse with pot plants is worth, you know, 100 or, or, or worth $10 billion, but a greenhouse, the same greenhouse with tomato plants is worth $10 million. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. It doesn't to me. And that's why I didn't touch any of the pot stocks. I was wrong for a long time. They expanded. They kept going up. <laughs> but eventually, you know, logic holds. So, you know, maybe, you know, fundamentals, you don't trade on fundamentals. You just trade on momentum and you can trade anything. But. 
just be careful when you're throwing stuff in your long-term investing account. It's sometimes a good exercise to just logically think it through. Uh, yeah, here's just a chart of Ty- Beyond Meat is in purple. Tyson is 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 the candles, right? You can just see going back, you know, a few years here, the, the volatility and Beyond Meat and the relative steadiness of Tyson over that time. Wow, it's, it's relatively steady because you're comparing it to Beyond Meat. I know. Wild. Just messing around. So. Um, so some other ratings. Let's go to the rest of the ratings calendar for the day here. Uh, there, there, um, there, there wasn't that much. Let me go to sort by action here. There we go. Uh, let's do just. Well, so while the casinos we already talked about, they all got right. downgraded. And I said I would actually be if 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 I was making a trade, I made a trade on any of these things. I'd be looking at actually buying the dip and leaning out on yesterday's lows. So we talked those. Okay, Signet upgrade at Wells Fargo to overweight. Uh, American Express. Uh, Avis, DoorDash, and uh, Dana upgraded at Bank America, uh, mostly to buy there. Yeah. Um, what else do we have as far as downgrades? Oh, the Fisker down. Bank America downgraded Fisker and Ride, Lordtown Motors, and Lear and Vision. But Fisker and uh, Ride, the ones that jump out to me, both to underperform. I'm sorry, Fisker to neutral, Ride to underperform. Thanks a lot for that. Got My it. two worst buys got to be Las Vegas Sands and Fisker in the in the long term account last yeah. you know three four months. Although my SMG isn't looking great either. My buddy Alex pointed out that it had a bad day yesterday or, or the day before, and I'm like, oh, that one's not working out either. I mean, these trends are pesky again. You know, I stuck them in the long term account. We'll see how they look in the long term. I didn't have those on for trades, but. Yeah, you gotta know. People ask me about like I get asked about like pot stocks and like SoFi all the time, and it's like I know they're in they're in a long term. I'm not like this is long term. No, you know why you're going in the trade. Yeah, and I try to separate it as much right. as I can. Again, sometimes I find myself trading my long term investments, which is just an absolute no no. No, I mean it, it's such a difficult exercise. And if I just actively traded my long term investment all the time, I would never get those huge huge winners that make your whole portfolio. You know, and you always, you know, you see people, it's like, oh, I got an Apple, you know, and some people like Jason Rasmussen is saying he's in at 16. My average cost basis on Apple is $25. If I'd be actively trading in and out, which I do in, you know, my day trading account, but in my long-term account, if I was to say, you know, I would have been a long gone and you never get that 500% gain, you know, Biogen, another one. I've got about maybe, you know, a dozen stocks where I'm up three, four, 500%. Google's another one. My average cost base on Google is $250. Very so nice. like 1,200% on that. But, you know, it was a company that I believed in and I just wanted to have a core holding, you know, all the way. I did sell half of it actually on the way up, which I wish I wouldn't have sold any of it. Gosh, I sold I... half of my Google when it got to like a thousand. That, like a, 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 you know, 400, up 300% or whatever it was. I shouldn't have sold any. That Google IPO, I, I'm obviously too young for to, to remember the IPO, but it, it IPO'd in 2004, correct? And that, like, that was not a good time. Oh, for, no. For tech stocks. Oh, no. Every search engine was going down. Too. Yeah. It was like, it wasn't a slam dunk just go buy Google oh, and it was yeah. going to be this It seems so obvious company. now, but at the time, that was a really bad time. There was, there was Lycos. You know, think of Yahoo was the big oh. one then. There was Lycos, Excite. Remember Excite? Anybody remember searching on Excite? I've never even heard of that one before. Yeah. There was, uh, there was like the four. Who are they? So, chat, help me out. There was Yahoo, Lycos, Excite. What was the other one? There's Ask Jeeves. No, that was at, but I didn't include one of the big four. There was Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves was wasn't one of the big four. It, it wasn't my world. 
Well, maybe in your world. Alta Vista, I think it was. Tamara, Alta, Alta Vista. Vista. Web crawler. Netscape. Netscape. I, yeah. Know, we... All these ones. So there was so many different search engines, and a lot of them had been actually went down. A lot of them didn't make it. Yeah. So you look back and think, okay, well, why did Google make it? I just mean they, they, they took all these search engines that were doing everything wrong, and they perfected it. You know, the search engines had already created the wheel. Google just made it round and efficient. And they made it so efficient that Google became a verb. I'm going to go, I just said, I'm going to go Google this. You know, that's how efficient they made it. And obviously, you know, Google's just done everything right ever since. And I love that company. That's why I still have a big piece. But if you were buying it, and I don't remember when I bought Google, I think I probably bought it back. It's got to be 10 years ago, but I was not early on it. I wasn't like in the 2004 camp when I bought this. I mean, you can go back and look, well, when did it trade $250? Because that's when I bought it. So right. go back to the chart and look, and you can try to figure out what year I bought this. 2005, no, 2006, looks like. Yeah, well, I, I bought it after the financial crisis, I think. So oh, okay. Financial. So go to 2008. How high did it get during 2008? The high was... 650. Uh, yeah, six. Now six, go down to like 2009 or 2010. I bought it in, when it dumped off. So keep going okay. back. Keep so, going you, down. so it looks like you bought it in around... Late yeah, I see 231, 230 right in there. Early Somewhere between 2010, 2011, it got down to like under $200. Uh, in 08, I'm seeing the low was uh, uh, 261. Maybe I've hold held it longer than. That. Oh, you know what's screwing us up is the split too, Google thought... and Google, because they were the same company. So I wonder if that doesn't screw mm, up the charts maybe. too. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, anyway. I just remember you know that's where my pricing was. So anyway. Oh, you know what it was because it gave you both stocks. Um, so that screws up my average cost basis too so you know so they gave you both so anyways i remember that buying at 250 but then they had the you know the split and everything so yeah. i don't know all right I, I'm, I'm bringing us back here there's one more thing i want to get on then we'll go to tickers from the chat i forgot about ea this morning uh we we should talk about that ea got hit yesterday and then came back at at the close when they when they reaffirmed their guidance but it got hit because let's go to a five fifty. why did it get hit yeah it got hit because uh, fears of a delay of Battlefield 2042 were realized. They came out and said, we're delaying the launch of our game. Uh, this is the game that everyone's waiting for from October 22nd to November 19th. That's like a week but a week or so before Black Friday. As long as they're still before Black Friday, it's probably okay in the grand scheme of things. But a four-week delay on the, battle, the launch of Battlefield 2042. Um, th- there were rumors that this was going to happen. The company confirmed it yesterday. Uh, but then at the close... They reaffirmed their net bookings guidance for the year. So they said, like, really, there's not going to be any financial change for us as far as this delay is concerned. Uh, Michael Pachter came, uh, had a note about it this morning. He, he's not particularly excited about EA right now. He's, he's, not, he's concerned about turn, turnover and management and, and, and how that's affected uh, both the timeline of games and the quality of games. Um, but anyway, uh, that was the reason for the EA move yesterday was the delay in their next big title, Battlefield 2042, uh, for a four-week delay in the launch. And uh, then they came out and they reaffirmed their guidance uh, right right at the close. Who, so, Who bought this at 144 after hours? Do you see that little candle zoom in? Somebody paid 144 on that headline. It ripped, ripped, ripped. I mean, here yep. you got a stock that gets hammered. Mm-hmm. All the way down from 144 to 136, and you buy it all the way back up to the where it was, where all the resistance is. That's dumb money right there. That's what I'd been fading. I didn't even like. I, I noticed the A in the filter, but I didn't go over to trade it. About man, that 144, 143, 142 is a gift. I honestly still think 140 is a gift. Even we got all the video gamers that have really been in the gutter. 
um take two i own it's the only one i have left and it's been a dog i'm in from 100 bucks so you know i'm, I'm in cheap but i mean it got over 200 i should have sold half and i went with the house of money that's what i often do but i didn't uh, but ea has just been sitting here in a trading range and it's really stuck in trading range you know low end 135 upper end like 147 148 we basically just traded that entire range yesterday tanking all the way down and then rallying all the way back up so i think the seller's all over the place above 142 above yesterday's high so I'd actually be more inclined to sell this rip as opposed to buy the dip. You know, you say I'm always inclined to sell the rip. But in this case, is all kinds of overhead supply up there, too. So I'd be selling the rip. From, from the from the Pactor note about this, uh, just as a reminder, some context, Battlefield 5, their, their last version of this game, sold 7.3 million units in the, in, in the quarter in which the game launched. And that figure was 1 million less than they were expecting. So there, the the last version of this game didn't perform as well out of the gates. Um, again, that it, it wasn't, it it was only launched a couple of days before Black Friday. The, this time they should launch a full week before Black Friday if they stick to their timeline, um, which we'll see. So that was the reason for EA weakness yesterday. But as you said, Dennis, the whole sector is sort of stuck. EA actually is is. Trading range looks good right now compared to the other ones. So, uh, well, yeah, the other ones have been hit pretty well. Take two has been hit the hardest. Activision, I know Blizzard. this doesn't look Activision good. Blizzard continues to go down. I do want to rebuy my ATVI somewhere, somehow, uh-huh. but I, I actually I sold it way early. I sold like 81 or 82 and it went up over a hundred dollars. It's back down to where I sold it, but I'd like to get it back down to low 70s. I'm not sure I'm going to get it. So, I'm interested in rebuying some of these stocks. Okay, not okay. EA today, definitely not EA today. All right, it is 8.51. Let's do some ticker time. There's a few that I was able to write down already. Matt Miller asked about TMC, uh, which is a high flyer. Well, there's only four days of data. No, there's not. Well, no. Was this a SPAC before? Not not for, yeah. I think I have four days of data since it's traded TMC. So I have Um, no idea how to trade something with four days of data. Okay. Here's a summary of all these things, whether it's TMC or what's the other one? Uh, Is IRNT? IronNet is just like, right? I am IronNet. And what I would recommend to anyone watching these is tuning this back to tax day at. Well, every day, but but there, Chris and Mitch are talking about this trade right now on a daily basis. There is a bit of a uh, spack squeeze going on right now. Um, on this iron I, net. I don't really know why. Uh, Mitch and Chris would know more than than we would, so I I, I would just uh, tune into that. But this, this is, is a Reddit stock too. Reddit grabbed a hold of this thing. They did. So Reddit will grab a hold. Yeah, I think it was like the number one stock. Somebody, I don't know if that's true or not, but somebody on social media said this is like the number one stock mentioned on Reddit or something the last couple of days. So, uh, I mean, um, uh, again, what we started the show with saying is that it seems like Reddit grabs a hold of these stocks. They go up, 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 up for a few days, maybe even a week or two, and then they crash and burn. So, I don't know where this thing crashes and burns from. Um, maybe it's going to be 42, maybe it's going to be 92. I don't know. I don't know the path to get there, but I do believe eventually it will crash and burn. So, and I think when we look at this thing six months from now, I think it's probably under $15. Not joking. That's where I think it's heading. So I would not put it in my long-term portfolio, but as a trade, you can put anything on. So just like we were saying, you know, I made that prediction with, what was the SPRT? The stock was $37 in the pre-market. 
you yeah. know but now it's obviously something now, else it's yeah. strange or whatever to greed or whatever me, it is i am but, i mean you had four or five six seven days and then you had the huge capitulation day and then the next day i'm looking and saying okay well i think we had upside capitulation so now is the time to sell like if you're still in it you got to get out it's time to get get out while the getting's good that was when it was like $39. Later, even that day, it was $29 and obviously got down to 11 bucks. So, I mean, that's, I think when you look at this SPRT chart, I think that's what the Iron Net chart will look like too eventually. So, no, I'm not chasing the move. Can you trade it? You can trade anything you want. Maybe it's going to go to 60. Maybe it's going to go to 70. Maybe it's going to go to 80. I don't know the path to get there, but I think eventually it goes back down to like 15 bucks or 10 bucks even. So, no, I'm not interested in sticking these in my long-term portfolio. What have, We talked about buying the dip at the top of the show. What about Alibaba here? This is from Mar- Marcio. I want to buy it. I want to buy for the simple <laughs> reason is that I sold a bunch of stock up at 230 and I could rebuy all that stock I sold. But the one thing that keeps me out is just this political risk. And it's like every time I don't buy, I want to buy to 170. I want to buy to 160. I want to buy 150. Every day I wait, it's better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a better, set, you know, and I still own the little half piece, you know, as I was talking about the piece I sold. You have the level to lean on, 152.80. So if you're putting it on for a trade, you have to find risk here. 155, yesterday's low, 153.92. That's nice too. So you have some levels to lean on here. It just seems like everyday China stocks are just getting hit. I mean, yeah. what's up with Baidu? Um, because it's it's rallied up, but it has not given back hardly anything. And JD too. So I don't know. Baba's been relatively weak relative to the other ones as well, which isn't a great sign. I will say you have a huge level, though, at 150 bucks. So it's huge. Uh, you're only five points off of it right now. Does the trade set up for a potential bounce? Maybe. Again, you're buying weakness, which is always dangerous. Everything's uh, dangerous. On the same note of buying the dip, would you would you consider buying the dip in Kroger here? This is from... Yeah, I would. This is from... I, I, and I actually Nick. considered buying the dip enough to write it on my you know watch list. Like writing it, I have like a sheet where I've got Zynga written on it because I already talked about that potential, you know, to put in like the swing trading slash long-term portfolio. Um, I, I talked about the Kroger 42. It took it out yesterday. Does it have a date with 40? It's come far enough down now, maybe. I mean, Buffett's in this. I've been in those stores. They've turned those Kroger stores around. They feel like a Walmart. I mean, uh, they, they've done a lot of things right with Kroger. Maybe um, your, Maybe your Kroger. You don't, you don't think they feel like I, I, some I, of these I super Kroger's or whatever they tell. call them? These are yeah. nice stores, man. Okay. I, oh, I oh, I'm oh, impressed with Kroger. That, that's the catch is they have to rebrand it as a super Kroger, like, like a super Walmart, right? I don't know if they call it super Kroger, but <laughs> I made that up. Maybe they do right. call it super Kroger. But I tell you, I was in one. And obviously, I haven't been in the States for a while because we're not allowed to cross the border. Canadians, yeah. you know, we all have COVID up here. Uh, but that's a joke. But Kroger, Wait, I, I, think, I think you are allowed in. I got to fly in. You got to fly on essential business. You can fly across the border or you have to go. If you're driving, you have to be on essential business. Yeah. So I don't know if going Krogering is essential business. So I don't know if they're going to let me do that. But Kroger Marketplace, somebody was saying is called not Super Kroger. I like Super Kroger, although Super K didn't work very well. 40 bucks, 40 bucks, a big level. I kind of like the I kind of like the idea here that you had the big move from 30 to 48. Now you get the 50% retracement back to 40. Like nice whole round number here. I, I might I might add some in the 40. I don't have any right now. I'm, I might add it into the long-term portfolio of 40. I kind of like it. What about, here's one, Ecolab, ECL. My I, my old neighbor growing up used to work for Ecolab, and I, hear, I always used to see his truck in the driveway. And as a dumb eight-year-old, I thought it was pronounced Ecolab. 
Like, <laughs> 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 that's my that's my Ecolab story. But uh, Dennis, do you, do you have any thoughts on? I mean, your... this is a COVID play too, right? Yeah. So you know, with the testing, so I, it's really struggling as a problem. Two thirty, two thirty, two thirty, two. I'm looking out. Go out to the monthlies. Oh, you're looking at that's a perfect chart. Look at that two thirty level. Yeah. Look how much resistance is up here. It's like one, two, three, four, five times it's tried and it can't get through there. And now you know it's like trying not to get it again. I know somebody's looking at the tick here today and saying, "Oh my gosh, it's down fifteen dollars." It's just some uh, that that that's what you call an off exchange market maker getting you know fifteen points off somebody because that was an off exchange trade. Somebody just sent an order in the in the in the pre market here and they printed it down fifteen bucks because the best bid at the time was two hundred eight fifty two and they can take it down to the best bid. So be careful trading the pre-market. It's not going to open anywhere close there today. It's already bid 215. I'd imagine it's not even going to open down. I don't think there's a headline on here. So somebody just got a really bad trade. And if, you, if you're the one that sold that 2A52, I'd be calling my broker and saying W2TF. And maybe they can do you an adjustment or something yeah. on that. Because that's a brutal off-exchange market. So just as much as we were you know, talking off-exchange market making, they can print at the best bid even in the pre-market there. So if somebody comes in just to sell it into their system and just wants to get out, they can take it all the way down to the best bid. And at 803, the best bid on this thing was 2852. There was just no market in it yet. So basically no buyers. And they printed it down $15. That's brutal. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Brutal print. That's unfortunate. Brutal print. Uh, so some, that's a FINRA print. That's an off-exchange market maker that bought 100 shares down there. And somebody's lost 1500 bucks. So I'd be complaining if I sold that down there. Dennis, any final thoughts as we wrap up the hour here? Uh, I was buying the dip, but the dip went away. So now you got to sell the rip. The dip, we we're down sell twelve handles. Now we're down three. So I guess you know, if you bought the dip, you're holding on here. I I tend to think you know I'm I'm, I'm more in the buy the dip camp here right now. Big day tomorrow. Lots can happen. Mark saying another fifty days being tested. You know, can it you know hold again? Well, it's held eight nine times. It can hold ten times too. So I always go with trend as your friend. Maybe it's going to hold 10 times. Maybe it's going to be the ninth time. I'm not going to be the person that's going to say buy the dip isn't going to work this time, though. So I'm buying yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for Dennis. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna hang out hang out here for a few because our next guest, Peter Tuckman, should be joining us. Oh, there he is. Great. Our next guest, Peter, was trapped in an elevator at the New York Stock Exchange. But he's out now. He made it. Peter Tuckman. Oh, man, this is... This is exciting. It has been an exciting morning here. Uh, Peter, are you okay? Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I have okay. a crew here from Mexico visiting who I'm taking around from BBVA. And uh, we all got too many of us in the elevator and we got stuck. It was great. We oh, how long were you stuck for? I don't know, Uh-oh. four minutes, five minutes. It was okay. Okay, quick we, tangent. We know I, each other I, much better. <laughs> quick tangent. I have been stuck. I, I've been stuck inside an elevator. And 20 years ago, I also had elevator doors close on me, which was a traumatic experience. But we'll talk about that another no day. Peter, Peter, I see you back on the floor. Uh, what, what is, what's the mood like down there? We were just talking about buying the dip, and it, it, it works again. And so what, what is the mood down there on the floor of the NICE? So you know what? Look, yesterday we we are we haven't had an IPO here for a while or a SPAC, yep. right? We sort of like coasted through August and September. You know, the floor, though busy and relevant as it always is, was really not seeing any new fresh 
fresh, you know, fresh, uh, fresh fish to play with. Okay. But yesterday, two IPOs, which did incredibly well, right? We had uh, ONON, the sneaker company, backed by Roger Federer, and they went public. It's a Swiss sneaker company, and they did really beautifully opening, solid rallied about a buck and change afterwards. And then we had Dutch Brothers, which is a uh, coffee yeah. chain from out west. I guess they cover about 11 states. Uh, the stock opened and went up friggin' $8. It was amazing, the appetite. So they have sort of a unique business model. It's sort of a small franchise out west thing, whatever it is. It just was nice to see the appetite for IPOs. And um, the stock did really beautifully for the uh, for the first day. You know, it was a solid opening up about eight and then rallied another eight. So, you know, for me, I, I, IPOs are exciting. I think they're one of the things we do here really well at the Stock Exchange. And I think it really does give a sense of where, where the appetite is for the markets. We had that months and months where, you know, SPACs were the, the flavor of the moment. They've gone sort of by the, the wayside because there's just not enough companies to take over anymore. So when companies are coming back in September 2021, going public with that kind of response, first day out, I, I'm impressed. It gives me a good feeling. We got two more today, sir. Uh, but what is the feeling as far as the overall market is concerned, though, is, is, is more what I meant. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, I'll give you the long way around it. Look, I'm a big proponent of the uh, Russia-China Yom Kippur trade, right? So the old adage is that you sell on you know, Russia-China, you buy back on Yom Kippur. It's not a financial one. It comes from the fact that Jews are to purge themselves of their uh, assets into um, – into uh, their redemption with Yom Kippur and uh, atoning for sins and the new year. And then you buy back on Yom Kippur. If you follow that trade and you uh, shorted them or you liquidated positions on Sunday night or Monday of last week and you started to buy them back yesterday, you had a beautiful day. We did have seven days down. Uh, you know, look, I'm not really sure. September historically is a down-ish month. There is the Rosh Hashanah trade. We are sort of at a point where we're waiting for option expiration on the quarter coming up on Friday, we are waiting for some more clarity on the Federal Reserve um, meeting of next week. And we are really wondering about the unknowns about the, about the variant. So there are unknowns on the table. There is nothing to tell us that we need to go higher except the appetite for the market. And so I think we're sort of in a pullback consolidation phase, Spencer. You know, I guess people are getting anxious about it because it happened seven days in a row. Net, net, percentage-wise, it's really rather minimal. And I kind of think we're just churning. The market's churning and burning. I want to ask you about tomorrow, specifically tomorrow after the close. We have an S&P rebalance. I know you're always active at, at the open. I uh, Can you hear me now? Did we lose Peter? We may have lost Peter. Hey, I, I'm back. Okay. Sorry, what'd you say? In I want to. I want to ask you about the the S and P rebalance tomorrow. I know you're very active uh, at the, at the open and into the close. Uh, talk about how how you ha handle that. So I, I don't look tomorrow. There is not, there is not a a huge S and P rebalance tomorrow. It is more just a, a quad witch option trade. Okay. Um, so look, at, when we have the rebalances, we just had one. Uh, recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the MSCI. You know, it really depends on where markets are coming from. And to be perfectly honest, right now, the valuation in stocks does affect how much stocks are rebalanced within the indexes. So, you know, it, it's kind of questionable. We are coming into the last couple of months here 
where we will see at the end of the month here a bigger S&P rebalance as we will see once again in, in December. Um, so you know what? I'm more, I'm more interested to see what the option expiration happens tomorrow and where the market goes from here once we start seeing what happens with the Federal Reserve. What 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 kind of activity is it? Just a elevated volatility, elevated volume? Is there any, any specific pattern you've observed in as, as far as like how how people behave like into the close on on, on these days? Uh, you know, absolutely. Look, you've got when we have S and P rebalances, you've got uh, uh, financial institutions, you've got hedge funds and whatnot who have to rebound and and the and the the, the indexers have to rebalance their positions due to the valuation of companies in the index. So you may have, you know, 5 million shares of Amazon to buy. You may have 9 million shares of Apple to sell. In the old days, it was more of a, as we've always talked about, in the old days, you could really play earnings in anticipation of earnings, right? When earnings would come come out and they had really set you up for a positive release, you were able to play into that. In the old days, you were also able to play into the indexers. When you knew down the week on a Friday, you Oh, did we lose Peter again? I lost he, you again. Stay with he's me. Still he's still stuck in the elevator, guys. No, he's, he's back. He's back. I, I'm still stuck. Pardon me, guys. I'm trying to find a little internet here. There you go. So in the old days, you used to be able to really trade into the S&P rebalances when you'd have 10 million of something or 30 million of something to buy or sell. Yeah. You could trade yeah. into it coming into the close. But you know what? All the trades are really crowded, uh, uh, Spencer. We're seeing it in the meme names. We're seeing it in the option trade. We're seeing it on the close. We're seeing it in earnings play. So as I just keep saying, this is a market that's not like it used to be. You know, there is a, a lot of new people in the trade. People are swinging around big positions. So I think we sort of, we, we treat everything a little bit with a grain of salt going into options, going into S&P rebalances and going into earnings. For me, as we always say, price action is the key. All right, Peter Talkman, guys, he's the Einstein of Wall Street. The link to his trading course, Wall Street Global Trading Academy, is in the description of this video. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to put it on the screen. You got you got to actually go to the description. It's there. I promise. Peter Tuckman, I'm so glad you got out of that elevator because uh, I know what it's like to be stuck in one and it's not fun and very claustrophobic. Ah. So so uh, good to, good to see a, you. It's always a pleasure, Spence. All right. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Um, Thank you, Imperial Fanatica. Appreciate the feedback. I know we didn't get to more as many tickers in the chat, but hey, that's what our next show is for as well. So uh uh, yeah, please remember everyone, all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only not for investing or trading advice. As a reminder, I'm always plugging our next events. We've got so many events on the calendar right now. In fact, let me just end with this. I'm going to play, I'll, I'll end the show with a trailer for our next in-person event, the Cannabis Capital Conference, which is less than a month away in New York City. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.